Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt. How are you doing today, Matt? Well, I've just discovered there's this thing. It's a game. It's called World of Warcraft, and apparently there's some story involved. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to find out. I, I understand you know a bit about it. So yeah, it's going to be a good show for me. <laughs> Uh, so with that, we are going to be answering some more of your questions this week, and I do want to thank everybody who took the time to submit some questions to us. Again, if you have questions for this podcast or the other podcast, be sure to send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, you can also send them into us on Discord. We have a channel set aside specifically for Patreons, so Patreon supporters, uh, which is basically Patreon supporter, uh, or Patreon Q and podcast questions. And then we have a another one for folks that aren't Patreon supporters, uh, just called Q questions. But we do look there as well for uh, podcast questions. Uh, so without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, our first one actually comes from Twitter, of all things, uh, from our friend G, otherwise known as Sandstorm. Uh, when I played OG, the Burning uh, Crusade, I came to WoW without playing any of the RTS games. So I was really confused about parts of the storyline. Like, how did all these Blood Elves wind up in Outland? How did all these Naga travel to Zangramarsh? So that is actually one of those things where, like, that's a big part of the story of Warcraft 3 in particular, uh, the Frozen Throne expansion, uh, which is... I mean, Warcraft 3 is a wild ride with the story and actually lays a lot of the groundwork for what the original World of Warcraft was uh, going to do story-wise at some point. Um, do you want me to give a brief rundown, Matt, or do you want to give it a shot? I've never heard of this game, so I think you should probably do it. <laughs> uh, so that's what we're doing today. Uh, so Illidan, during the time of the Third War, which is Warcraft 3, surprisingly. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, there were three wars? Okay, I'm going to stop now. Please. I feel like I'm pushing it. A little, a little bit, yeah. But I will say, I do, I do actually want to say this. Um, I wasn't just doing that to be a jerk. I was also doing it to point out that this is the kind of thing that Warcraft just expects you to absorb. It, it really is. Yeah, unfortunately. And that it's one of those things where it's like almost like tribal knowledge or, or community knowledge at that point. They just expect that you've played through the RTSs, which is, again, what they kind of sort of expected when people were playing World of Warcraft. And you got to keep in mind, like World of Warcraft, vanilla. And yeah. Why would you play World of Warcraft if you weren't a big Warcraft fan? Exactly. That was the basic assumption. And then like over a million people showed up in the first year and they're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, and then people in here do don't know what the game is. And then the Burning Crusade was sort of more of that, uh, where it was like we assume that people know about this because these people must have played the the real time strategy game. They must have played the other ones, or at this point they've played them because they're still an active player base. Uh, and it re wasn't really until I want to say like end of Wrath of the Lich King really that they started self containing things, but. Going back to Warcraft 3 and sort of try to give you a little bit of a, a, a hot and dirty primer for it. Um, so Illidan during this time frame was he had been imprisoned previously for his questionable actions, which we learn about in Legion. When you go back and do all the uh, Zera stuff and uh, you figure out or you've, you're told exactly what Illidan's crimes were uh, that he perpetrated against his own people in order to win his war. Uh, Tehran frees Illidan uh, in order to uh, deal with, I think it was Tychondrius uh, in particular, the, the Dreadlord uh, Tychondrius. Um, and during that time frame, this is when he consumes the Skull of Gul'dan uh, and starts really just having a bad time. Uh, he gets banished by uh, Malfurion. Basically, you're not allowed here anymore. You did the whole sucking demon energy into you. Oh, bad stuff. Um and then he by, winds up going on his own thing. He's approached at the end of the, I, b I believe it was shortly after the Blood Elf campaign comes to, or, well, it, it, I think it's out at the end. It's during the beginning of it. You see where he is approached by Cal Foss uh, and is said, hey, what do you want me to do? And he recounts the story about how Kil'jaeden approached Illidan and said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, you know, I, I need you to go do this. You you did me a, a, a wound. You made it so that we can't actually win this war. But I need you to go kill the Lich King for me. Just go break the go break the throne open for me. Go handle that. And it sort of frames that whole um, short version of like what Illidan was doing at that time frame. As far as why he wound up going to Outland, um, it was one of those things where 
after trying to destroy the Lich King and after all that sort of like failed, um, he wound up getting stopped essentially by the Night Elves and forced into Outland with all the army that he raised. And that's where Lady Vash comes in. During his time frame of trying to do all that, he basically put out a call. And this is sort of questionable because the, the lore on this one has has flipped a few times. Whether or not Vash went of her own free will or whether she was an agent of Azjara sent to basically monitor Illidan, it could kind of cut either way. But so Vash shows up with all of her Naga and says, OK, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and help you with your plan. And when they get pushed back through into Outland, well, she goes with him. And that's why he has like sort of this army of Naga and that's why they are an outland. They are, they basically followed him when he got pushed into that, that realm. It should be pointed out that the reason the blood elves are there is because uh, the blood elves at the time, after the destruction of the Sunwell and they, they chose to switch their names from high elves to blood elves. They were working with the, the remnants of the Alliance Mm -hmm. specifically. There were, Lordaeron army forces, including a, 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 a um, oh, I want to call him Gilneas, but that's not his name. Oh, I can't Garethos? remember. Garethos, yeah. Gar- yeah. Uh, he was a leader named Garethos was leading what was left of the Lordaeron military inside uh, Lordaeron. And uh, Kelthos had hooked up with them. But Garethos was extraordinarily racist. Uh, keep in mind that the, the Blood Elves, the, the High Elves before the Blood Elves had not been covering themselves in glory with their their relations to their human neighbors. They basically said after the after the Second War, when the High Elves joined the Alliance, they were like, OK, we're done with you. You we repaid the, the debt we owed. And now we don't care. We, we don't care about what happens to you. We're done. And they cut all ties. So when Arthas went up there and invaded and destroyed them, they didn't have any allies. So they were kind of forced to, to work with the, the humans of Lordaeron. But the, Garethos was basically just sending them on missions, hoping they'd get killed. Yep. And so Lady Vosh showed up and talked to Kale and was like, your ancestors and mine were related. Uh, I can help you. And if you don't accept my help, you know these people are going to get you killed. So Kalethos eventually was like, okay, I've got to do these missions. Uh, I've got to try to get my people some sort of help. But I'll, I'll take Vash's help under the under the weather under the uh, under the rose sub rosa, so that nobody knows that she's helping me. Because if they knew, uh, I'd be in I'd be in deep trouble. Of course, Garethos finds out and imprisons Kale and all his people. At this point, Kale's like, "All right, I'm done. I'm done with this. I, I you know, maybe Vash is a monster, but at least she's been open open with me. She's you know not not tried to kill me, so." The monster, Vosh you know, like, laying it all out is yeah. better than the one that wants to imprison you. And, and yeah. yeah. And Vosh is like, look, you don't have to like, I understand the whole thing that's happening to you with the, the whole magic thing that happened to us. And I'm telling you, Illidan can help you. So he went to Outland with her after a meetup with, with uh, T- Taronda and Malfurion that went bad. Uh, eventually he, he went with Vosh to Outland. And uh, the, the Taronda Malfurion uh, Illidan stuff is is important, but it's not part of this, so I'm going to skip it. But when they went there, basically Illidan's like, "Yeah, okay, you're you're suffering from magic addiction. I understand. I know what that is. I can help you. Uh, I've got this incredibly powerful magical font. However, I'm using it for something else. So you're just going to have to wait and endure, and I'll teach you little tricks about how to siphon power from demons in the meantime. And then when I'm done doing the thing I have to do." then I can use this power to help you. But before before I can do that, I need you to do stuff for me. Because yeah, at this exactly. point, Outland was under the control of Mag Theranon and his demonic forces. Essentially, everything that happened in Hellfire Peninsula, the Fell Orcs, all that stuff existed in Warcraft 3 as a force to sort of be that opposition. And so Illidan had this plan to sort of take over Outland, and it included de- defeating... Uh, Magtheridon, or or at least in some capacity, getting him out of the way, and that's what he was tasking Kelthos with, with the help of Lady Vosh, to take Magtheridon down, so that they can claim the realm for themselves. Yeah, they basically worked closing the portals into Outland, because the reason the Legion could could hold Outland at that point in time was that Outland was now, since it was partially in the Nether, 
it was extremely easy to open portals and just bring like armies of demons through. Now, and if you played in the in TBC and you did the Hellfire Peninsula stuff, even now you can actually see a lot of those demonic portals in Hellfire Peninsula. They're not tri- like the big dark portal stuff. They're these little almost like transponder looking things that sort of sit around the place. And that's one of the things that you do as a uh, you know hero is kind of help shut those down but those were all over the place those were essentially like portals being used to bring in entire armies if you did the uh the old time walking dungeon uh with i think i think it was the war of the ancients time walking dungeon if you do that and you do the illidan thing where you see all those portals that's essentially what was happening you know another thing another way you could possibly see it if you did tbc is if you're going to grand once you get your flying mount, there were small islands floating in the sky, um, kind of off the side of, of, of Negrand. On one of them is a portal, and there are le- legion demons attempting to reopen it. That's the kind of portal that was everywhere at the time. And that's the kind of portal that Kael'thas, Vash, and Illidan shut. The reason they shut those portals was to cut Magtheridon off from his reinforcements mm-hmm. so that they could go and fight him without him having armies and armies of demons to just throw at them. Uh, they did that. They defeated Magtheridon. They took over. And then, unfortunately for everybody involved, Kil'jaeden just showed up. Like, I don't think he was actually physically there. I just think he appeared in manifestation form. But he was like, I know where you are. This didn't work. You're going to go back and you're going to kill Arthas for me or all that stuff I said I'm going to do to you. I'm going to do to you. I will make you priority number one on the hit parade. I will put you ahead of everything. You know, you're a demon now, Illidan. I can find you. You know, you're not like you're not the whatever undead weirdness Arthas is. You're you're right here right now and I can get you. And and it should also be noted. It should also be noted that at this point, Kill Jaden wasn't necessarily a Draenei. Uh, he was basically just a demon lord. Uh, so, like, they hadn't codified that quite yet. Yeah, but it didn't matter for the purposes of the lore here. It doesn't... Yeah, I just think it's a fun Il- thing to point out. Uh, Kil'jaeden basically made the point that, you know, Illidan, there was no escape for him. That, he, you know, he could hide on Outland, but they knew where he was. Um, so, he's like, all right, he got Vash and, and Kael'thas and their forces. And that's why if you do the Frozen Throne completely... Um, when Arthas is going north to try and get back to the Lich King because the Lich King's power is waning after he pushed the uh, the Rune Blade out of his frozen prison, his power was leaking out of it. He was losing um, his power. Arthas was rushing north to find to get to the Lich King before it all faded away. I'm not entirely sure what Arthas thought he was going to do, but obviously it involved smashing the frozen throne with his sword and putting the armor on himself in an act that made perfect sense and was completely sane. Um, but regardless, when he got there, uh, Kil, you know, Kil'jaeden's little group, his uh, Illidan, Kael'thas, and Vash were waiting for him with all their forces. And and Illidan had to fight his way through them to get to the Frozen Throne, which led to the confrontation between Illidan and Arthas at the foot of the Frozen Throne, the one that, Ar- that Illidan lost. Um, and that's always been, you know, one of the turning points of WoW type. I'm like, what if, if Illidan had won, what would have happened? Uh, you know, because they were pre- they were relatively evenly matched. It was a close fight. So, yeah, that's pretty much how they got there. It was basically the 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 stuff Joe already talked about, about Vosh coming up. And we don't know. It's never really been completely definitively stated. If, you know, Vosh, sometimes Vosh was there on orders from, from Queen Ashara. Other times Vosh heard the summons and came up to investigate herself. Because uh, remember, if you see the beginning of it, um, Illidan blows some kind of horn to summon the, the Nagan back up. That's, that's the, the, the scene you see where he's by the, the, the river, the, by the water and the Naga come up. That's, that's a whole big part of it. But sometimes it's that he made a deal with Ashara. Sometimes it's just Vash is acting on her own initiative. 
Yeah, and, it, and even now we don't even have clarification on that either, because uh, unless there's something in the Meldraxxus uh, storyline that I don't know, which is entirely possible at this point, or it may be something that is revealed later, since we know that after Vosh is finally defeated by uh, our heroes going into Serpent Shrine and doing our thing below Zangermarsh, which, again, it's the perfect place for them to go because it is basically the only body of water in Outlands uh, that has any sort of remaining volume to it. If you go to, if you actually, if you go to um, Draenor, you'll notice that the Zangar Sea is mm-hmm. the body of water between what is there, it's um, Frostfire, and Nagrand. And in Outland, the fact that it's a marsh, the fact that it's swampy and drying up, is because of the Naga. Mm-hmm. They have been stealing the water out of it. it. In fact, before they started doing this, keep in mind that they've been there for like a decade by the time we get there, at least four years, right? Uh, four years have passed. Four years passed between the events of Warcraft 3, and I think that, yeah. So it's at least four years. In that four-year period, they have drained most of the ocean. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something that the Naga have been doing. We never find out exactly why they're doing it. Like, I mean, they're doing it because they're Naga and they like to live in water. But like, what is their ultimate goal? There's a whole thing yeah. about Neptalon. There's a whole thing about Neptalon and there's a there's a heretic who's who's trapped in one of the Naga dungeons. I think it's Steam Vault, but it might be any of them. And he's he, he's basically saying, you know, no, we've turned against not, not Neptalon. We've turned against the true way of the oceans. And it's very clear that Ashara does not tolerate this sort of thing. You don't get to pray to Neptalon if you're a Naga. Um, she, they have one god and it's her. Uh, but but there's there's a lot to it. We we never do find out exactly what her plan is or how it ties into stuff we see her doing later. Or what the Serpent Shrine Cavern even was for, because that was a huge mechanical undertaking, almost like a steamworks of types that just made it, it was there, but we never found out what the, the, the thing is. We just go in and wreck up the place, really, is what it boils down to. Right. So, I mean, and that and the other thing that can be added into the mix there is as well is during this time frame is also where uh, the broken uh, join the uh, essentially the Illidari is what they were called. All of them that the army of Illidan was called the Illidari at that time. And the broken Draenei joined. I think they were just the broken in Warcraft three. If I remember correctly, um, Akama is winds up running into uh, Kalthas and Vash pledges the service. And then they, after everything is, is cleared out, that's why there's so you go to uh, the black temple and you see that there are demons and blood elves uh there are broken uh, there are naga there there's all sorts of basically the representation of illidan's army there because that is the base of his power and that sort of bleeds into the next question which i think unless there's anything else you want to say on this i think we can kind of go into that a little bit too all right. The next question comes from Yunari, which is, Hi, Watchers. I would le- really like to hear you guys discuss the creation of the Illidari with focus on the Illidan novel, the current state of them as a faction, how we could ever get more of them, and what race would you like to see become demon hunters? Thanks. Um, we can never get more of them. Yeah. So canonically, they're done because Illidan was the one that knew how to do all that stuff, and he is no longer on this plane of existence. He is I in, mean, he's elsewhere. Theoretically, theoretically, I suppose the Illidari could get a couple warlocks and experiment with creating a ritual to bond demons to people. Because mm-hmm. that's what Illidan did. He came up with a ritual where you would essentially ritually kill and eat a demon, and since demons don't die when you do that, you'd be taking the demon's essence into yourself. If you read the book, you saw how the ritual worked. That's not something that Illidan ever went through. Illidan is the way he is because Sargeras ripped out his eyes. And also because he then consumed he ate a the skull. skull of Gul'dan, yeah. but that's later. The, the winged, hooved form of Illidan is I ate a, I ate a guy's skull. And that skull had been steeping in demon juices for like I think twenty years when it got to me. Um, that's always the thing I like. We I find hilarious is it, at the end of Warcraft two. You know, we, we know that Gul'dan runs off and gets killed, and we kind of see what happened to him in Warcraft three. We see like little bits and pieces of it, but his skull was essentially in the Tomb of Sargeras for like twenty years, and then suddenly some demon just you know Tychondrius just happens to have it. 
And we never find out, how did Tychondrius get that? Why was it so big? Why was it being used to corrupt a forest? I mean, if you know, you know, guys know what Felwood is, and wow, you've played, you've played the game, you've seen Felwood. Felwood is Felwood because the skull of Gul'dan was there, corrupting it into Felwood. Yep, or being you know used I mean? as the, the vector in order for them to do that, right? Yeah, and it was like it was enormous. It was when when it was there, it was bigger than Illidan was. He, he absorbed the power out of it which shrank it down into the skull you see him holding. And, you know, uh, it's one of my favorite bits of Legion, by the way. Uh, but but when you see Illidan in the Burning Crusade tra- trailer holding a skull and then dropping it, that's Gul'dan's skull. And it's now much smaller because he's absorbed all the demon juice out of it. But, but like, is that what just happens? You leave somebody's skull in a tomb for 20 years and then it's just jam-packed full of evil like what's listen that's how marinating that's how that. marinating works man if i've if i've learned anything from food tv is if you leave a skull in fell juice it's going to absorb it all that flavor all i know is it's like one of those things that it feels like there's some details left out of this and the fact that tychondrius was involved tychondrius is a dreadlord yep we know that dreadlords are bad icky bad and we're finding out more about just how bad they are in in Shadowlands. So this feels definitely like something that was set up on purpose. Like Tychondrius left that skull there, knowing Illidan would find it, knowing Illidan would use it to turn himself into what he turned himself into, and then attack him, and thus give it... For a Dreadlord, getting killed is a good way out of a fight. Yeah, it's because like, okay, now, it's, not, it's not the end for them. It's an escape. He gets to go back to the, the Shadowlands and, and report in to his true master, Sire Denathrius, and tell him, you know, oh, this is what's been going on with that. You know, it's it's fascinating to me. But regardless, so yeah, Illidan did that. <sighs> but that's... But he, you know, obviously that's not something every other demon lord can do. I mean, every other demon hunter can do. So they came up with that new ritual. But then now Illidan's gone. Even if you did come up with a different ritual, it's not the same thing. The demon hunters, the Illidari demon hunters, not only do they have that specific ritual, it's a ritual that puts them at extreme risk. Like we saw that all going all the way back to TBC. There's a, I think, is it Leotharis the Blind? Yeah, yeah. Leotharis. Yep. Leotharis is the greatest of the demon hunters, but he goes nuts and has to be like contained in, inside Serpent Shrine Cavern. They're like, they lock his butt up because he can't be controlled. And even the ones that can be controlled eventually end up turning like, the one, the other one from from TBC ends up serving the Legion. Yeah, and, and you got to, and they talk about that in the novel too, right? Like in the novel, it's a constant battle if you're a demon hunter. It's not, it's not a one and done. It's not a oh, I just I've got my super soldier serum in my arm, I'm good to go. No, it's you. That demon is always, always trying to gain control of you, and even if you succeed in surviving the ritual, which very few of them actually do if you read the novel out of like the thousands of of disenfranchised elves that show up like only a small percentage of them actually succeed even after that they might not succeed there's a scene in the book where i can't remember her name uh but she winds up just basically losing it and consume being consumed from the inside out by the demonic energy that she's trying to keep in check and you periodically get the the scenes where the demon is still trying to talk or influence the host body that is containing it because again remember demons don't die that is why there is a special prison made for them with those special crystals to contain them because they can't die so if you consume them that is an intellect that you have inside of you that is trying to influence your decisions the entire time and it's come up a lot of times when if you go and do the legion quests where you are freeing the other demon hunters one of them goes nuts and tries to kill you one of them just dies that was a common occurrence so now you don't have the person who arguably could maybe give them an edge in keeping that in control there to supervise the ritual or the consumption anymore. And for all of Illidan's fault, he was definitely a very strong magic wielder. He understood cosmic energies in a way that we don't, uh, that we as heroes just don't. 
so now they don't have that anymore. There can be no more demon hunters yet. That might change. That might be a thing that they they figure out or do something later on. But canonically, the demon hunters that exist are all that we're going to have. But they were not the only Illidari. And that's that's something else that is pointed out in the book as well as the game world itself. So the demon hunters, the reason that we don't see them at the Black Temple is we see that they were sent on secret missions to go do their thing. They weren't there. But the army that you do interact with, the one that is made out of blood elves and Naga and broken and demons and blood elves that have not gone through like full demonic conversion, but still have like warlock touching or, or sort of like have that ability to reach into the, the fell energies. Those are the Illidari. The Illidari literally was Illidan's army. That's what they were. So it all that's left of them at this point is the demon hunters because Illidan being no longer the Lord of Outland, no longer having uh, Lady Va- uh, yeah, Lady Vash and the, the Naga under his control because Vash is dead and is in Maldraxxus now. Uh, Kael'thas is dead and in Revendreth now. All of his armies have been shattered. The only thing that remains, the only legacy of the Illidari that is canonically still there are those very few demon hunters. And once they're gone, unless Blizzard decides to, to come up with a way that they can come back or another ritual or something or Illidan returns in some capacity, that's it. The Illidari are done. And as far as like, they're not really a faction anymore. They're remnants at this point. And that's something to really keep in mind moving forward. You are, if you're playing a demon hunter, you are the last of essentially a dying breed. There is no more hope for for that, as far as that goes. So. Yeah, and I mean, there's like obviously there's that the 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 very few Naga that went on that mission with the the death the demon hunters, and there's a few of the broken that went, and those are basically still in that like place. Uh, in like Maldum, I think it's called or whatever. Mardum. Mardum. It's still there on that base that you made in Mardum. That's the Demon Hunter, uh, you know, Order Hall in, in Legion. Mm-hmm. But we haven't heard anything about what they've been doing since. Like, we have no idea what's going on on Mardum in the meantime. Like, what are the Demon Hunters actually doing? Are the majority of them, like, still on Mardum? Are they hunting the... Because right now, the, the Legion is... Legion's in a weird place where it's 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 not gone, but it doesn't have the same structure that it used to. It doesn't have its leaders, like uh, at least as far as we know, Archimon didn't get through Antorus before we raided it. Um, neither did, did Kill Jaden, and we have no not you know Sargeras is locked in eternal combat with Illidan, so those guys are gone, and it could it could be very well like the Scourge was during that period of time where. Bolvar was sitting on the throne just kind of, you know, having his visions where like a bunch of like, you know, this random crypt Lord decided I'm the Lord. I'm the you know entire Lord of the Plaguelands now. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, a bunch of guys went out and killed them because it's like, no, you're not. You're just some random crypt Lord. There's like demons all over the place. And they, keep in mind, the demons were once this is the way the demons were before the Legion came. If anything, they're just returning back to the, the, the unorganized state before they became Legion. Yeah, there was there were like for instance, uh, one of the warlock artifacts contains, I think it's the, the the harvester contains the spirit of a of a very powerful demon that fought Sargeras. That was like, no, I won't be controlled. Uh, I can't remember the name of that stupid thing. I'll look it up while you're talking. Yeah, um, but it was one of the demons that was fight that fought Sargeras, and it, it was it lost, and he turned it into a into a sickle, but there were a lot of demons out there that were very powerful that were like, no, I'm not joining your stupid burning crusade. Demons don't join crusades. We just rampage. We do whatever we feel like we're demons. We're not orderly. We don't have, you know, the fact that the Legion exists is because Sargeras, despite his falling into fell corruption, despite his madness, Sargeras is a Titan and Titans are orderly beings. Oh, and by the way, it is the, the, Ulthalesh, the Deadwind Harvester, is what you're talking about, and the yeah. spirit within is Satael. Yeah, and so that's the kind of thing 
that you know the the legion is created when somebody incredibly orderly like Sargeras comes along. He the reason he needed the Eridar in the first place was he needed people to impose order on these demons. Yeah, because if you think about it, they're the ones that joined voluntarily, right? Like they they took his offer, and instead of being compelled, they're sort of there because they want to be. They're there because that's the power that they want to have. That's what they want to be doing. And as a result, can be trusted to impose order on demons who really don't want to be doing the thing that the Legion wants them to do. They not want to go do demon opposed, things. Yeah, it's not that they're opposed to any of it. The burning the universe that may, that sounds fine to them, but they're not orderly. They're mm -hmm. not an organized force like the Legion is not their natural state. If in in D and D terms, it's like if you, you took the demons from D and D and put them into a group led by the devils from D&D. &D. It's, it's it, in, yeah, like it's chaotic evil being imposed to lawful evil is really what it boils yeah. down to. And now that the, the command structure is gone, the reason the Legion is no longer like the threat it once was is because there's nobody to just bring its infinite resources to bear because those, those infinite resources are all busy fighting each other. They're now, busy trying to carve out their own fiefdoms. They're busy trying to figure out what they want to do. And now, as long as that's the case that's that keeps things it's possible that that's something that you could find out we could find out that that's what demon hunters have been doing this whole time is going out into the cosmos and hunting demons yeah because don't and forget we, like and this is the other thing to keep in mind too is that the champion aspect of the storytelling of the game is very small you being a champion you you are not a there are more of you but you are not the you're not legion so to speak you're not there's not a thousand death knight champions essentially going through at least the way that it was explained so there are other demon hunters out there that aren't the player character doing demon hunter things and after legion this is something i've been thinking about a little bit too with demon hunters in particular there's all those lovely ships that we took because there was a whole slew of dungeons and raids where we cleared out ships and we've really cleared them out. And Demon Hunters seem to have a real strong penchant for taking those and using them. And if they're just flying through the nether going, yeah, we're just going to go find demons and clean them up because, well, that's what we were designed to do. That's our life now. That's what we we accepted when we signed on for this, having this, this power and corruption inside of us. And then if we go haywire, we're not going to hurt anybody we care about. Cool. And I could see maybe that's a thing that they've been doing. Maybe the remnants of the Illidari, the remnants of the Demon Hunters that aren't the champion, that aren't the ones going to the Shadowlands to deal with what needs to be dealt with there, are flying through space, dealing with whatever dem demonic footholds are out there. Because that's the other thing we don't know about demons as well. We, we know, canonically, they've only ever been said to really be drawn back to Antorus, to be pushed through that the, the engine, essentially for rebirth. But before that, they just went back to the quote-unquote twisty nether. Well, what if there actually have planets that are demon-controlled? And, and this is where I'm going to kind of cross-references. Like, back in the olden days of the 90s, in Warhammer 40k, there was this idea of the warp, and, and particularly the Eye of Chaos, or the the Maelstrom. And it was this this place where like the demonic energies sort of seeped into reality and would affect planets but each planet was sort of like its own society onto itself i could totally see that being something that the demons had where like in the twisting nether there are places out there there are planets so steeped in it or so past the veil that they can claim it as their own we also don't know where demons really came from and if that's basically what happened is demons spawned from these places because they were just so steeped in the energies of, you know, the fell or, or the twisting nether because their world sort of transitioned that maybe there is a homeland for them. Maybe there are, are planets where these demons sort of like hide out or claim or, or like almost like petty warlords or, or like Matt was talking about, like these little fiefdoms. So I could see maybe that the demon hunters could be traveling, trying to find those and eradicate those. It would make perfect sense to me. Well, I don't think they need to be using ships because they have Mardoom and they have the portal network. It's true. And they have the, the means to travel on it because they, they, Illidan stole it. Um, I don't – there's a lot of re ways they could be going. I, I honestly don't know that we need to even worry about do they have their own planets because you could just travel the cosmos going from world to world that they've invaded. 
I mean, we know that we, we saw that they'd invaded at least five worlds during Legion, you know, and that's just the ones we found in that small part of Argus that we went to. We only went to like three zones in Argus. Argus is a whole world. We only went to three parts of it. So, yeah, there's there's a ton of stuff they could be doing that's completely unrelated to anything we're doing. Uh, and that's the thing that we, I, I feel like people are like, well, we did Legion, we're done. Yes, we're done with it narratively, but that the demons still exist. We didn't defeat them, really. We stopped their current mode of movement. We put them on the back burner, but they're, they're still there. Yeah, they're just not and as big of a threat up. as they used to be. The thing is, it's not even that they're not as big of a threat. They're not as imminent a threat. Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're not. It's like, it's like if you have an army of like you know nearly infinite things attacking you, and you pull the leaders out, and now that army stops to fight amongst themselves as to who's going to be the leader. As of right now, that there's no one in charge, and they're you know they're all squabbling against each other. But for all we know, um, Kiljaden or Archimond managed to get through the regeneration process. And is now slowly rebuilding their forces. And say in five years, we could get another, you know, they could show up again. And the thing is, they probably wouldn't show up in their own expansion immediately. No, probably not. Like, at which this you'd point... probably get, you'd probably get like hints of something going on. We'd be doing some other expansion, say like, say we're in the Void Lords expansion or whatever. And then suddenly like, you know, there's this weird, ba- there's this weird base inside the, the realm of Void and it's full of demons. You're like, why are there all these demons in the realm of void? And then you find out that they are, they found out about Gul'dan's experiments in Hellfire uh, Citadel, where he made a void fell monstrosity. And so they're mining void to use in some horrible experiments. And that leads to the next expansion where you find out the demons are starting to work together again, that there's some mastermind. It doesn't have to even be Kiljane. It could be somebody else, some other demon finally conquered, finally beat up enough demons to get to tell them to do what he wants. And now you've got this new force. There's lots of ways we could go. You could see the demon hunters again, but as things stand right now, there is no way for there to be more of them. The ones we have, in fact, the ones we got in Legion weren't new. They weren't made recently. They were escapees from prison who'd been in prison since the end of the Burning Crusade. Like your character does the whole the whole Demon Hunter starting experience in Legion is set during the Burning Crusade. It's literally set during the Black Temple raid. Mm-hmm. While the Black Temple is being raided, you you know Illidan was literally up there on that those ramparts because he just opened a portal and sent your character through it. And so while you're doing all that, you're, you're doing his bidding, you're, you're, you're accomplishing his goal, you step forth through the portal back to Outland, and there's Maiev and the Watchers, and you get jumped because they just beat up Illidan while you were gone. If you were there, you could have helped them, but you weren't. You were off on the mission. So that's the thing. If you're playing a Demon Hunter, you're not. They, it's not like they suddenly got a bunch of new Demon Hunters in Legion. It's the old demon hunters from the end of Burning Crusade who've been locked up for the past decade or so. Which is why that's part of that storyline. Like, if you're playing through it, you're breaking out of prison at one point. Like and that- The Vault of the Wardens is not just a dungeon in Legion. It's also, if you're doing the demon hunter starting zone, you get to the point where you step out of Mardoon, and then you're finding yourself in the Vault of the Wardens during the Legion invasion, and you're like, you're escaping the vault. And you're getting basically, I don't remember which watcher helps you, but one of them does. Uh, one of the, the ones helps you because it's like, you know, it's better that you get out and help fight the Legion than you stay trapped in the vault, especially when the demons are like overwhelming it. You escape literally just ahead of them. So it's, it's, there could be more, but as it stands, we haven't had any new demon hunters since the end of the Burning Crusade. Yep. So hopefully that answers your question on that one, uh, Yanaria. But yeah, like I said, it's the Illidari is a complicated uh, thing when you start going past Demon Hunters uh, and has a rich history in Warcraft 3, which is why we tied those two questions together. Uh, our next question comes from Neon Penguin. 
with how Blizzard tends to telegraph future content that we tend to see in hindsight, do you think we will learn of connection between the Ethereals and the Brokers? Their gates and appearance look far too similar, and in that light with breadcrumbs of other realms attacking the Shadowlands, the Maldraxxus being the fighters for the Shadowlands, will one of the future patches be an attack by one of those realms, the Light, the Void, Loon, etc.? Maybe? Like, this is a weird one, because they're... I've maintained that there's got to be some connection, even if it's just a, a cultural knowledge between the two races of the brokers and the ethereals. Uh, we, I'm going to tell you right now, um, you guys are all wrong about the brokers even being a race. Okay. They're not. Okay. They're cool. machines. Interesting. Look at them. But they're. Or look at a broker. They're machines. They're constructed. They are. There's nothing. They're not alive. They're they're made. Who made them? That's what you should be asking yourself. Who made the brokers? Now, if there is a connection between the ethereals and the brokers, I personally think that would be very disappointing. Like straight up, it would just be. It's like too simple, and, and it would be like every time we meet a cosmic force of like you know greedy greedy mercantilists. They're related. That would be finding out that the ethereals were like space goblins who got their souls torn out of their bodies. You know what I mean? Like everybody, it, it all ties back to goblins. They're all goblins. Like I, I don't want that. I, I think that would be boring. But what if they uh, were? Cre- what if they were? Well, created? No, 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 no. I'm not done, man. Okay, no, just jump sorry. in here. Um, if the ethereals and the brokers are related, it's because the ethereals made the brokers before yep. they got their souls ripped out of their bodies, and that the brokers are essentially they were affected by the same massive onslaught of arcane and void energies that tore the spirits out of the ethereals. It imbued them with something akin to life. And that's why they live in the Shadowlands, because the realm they were in was literally torn out of our reality. It it was the entire, the entire world died and went into the Shadowlands. And that's why they're there. And that's why they're jumping from Shadowland to Shadowland, because they don't like there this is a new existence for them they're exploring it what that would be my guess but i don't want that to be true i don't want there to be any connection between the brokers and the ethereals i would not be excited by that i would think it would be dull well let's let's expand on the the they're created by some unknown entity maybe it's not the ethereals or whatever uh maybe they were created what if that's partly partially why they were in the Shadowlands to begin with is that maybe they're soul-powered machines, they're animal-powered machines that are looking for a way to self-replicate. It's kind of a uh, sci-fi trope um, that hasn't really been explored a a whole lot in, like, Warcraft in general. Well, because Warcraft has actually explored the hell out of it. Are you playing a human or a gnome? Oh, yeah, fair enough. You are playing a machine that learned how to to self-replicate, by going through the process of the curse of flesh. Like they had one way of replicating. They could make more of themselves on forges and we've seen those forges at work. And then they got the curse of flesh and suddenly they went from, I have to build a new one to me and this other one can get together and kind of like bump uglies for a few minutes. And now we've created an entirely new person. That's partially me and partially them. If you think about it, that is an awfully weird way for machines to replicate. And so, I don't know. I I honestly, I don't want them to explore anything about the brokers that reveals who they are. Like any, I don't want any of their mystery to be solved in this expansion. None of it. I don't want to know anything more about them. Okay. Leave them as a mysterious thing for possibly the future. So, so then going back to the root of the question, do we think that there's been any breadcrumbs left behind in the last few expansions that we think will start will dictate something that will be uh, a future content whether it's an expansion or a patch or something that we're going to see well, I mean we know we're going to see uh, this is a little bit spoilery for patch 9.1 but guys come on uh, if that's what you're here for Yep. so I'm just going to say it that this there will be spoilers here. we know in 9.1 that the dreadlords are heavily involved that they're featuring in it and we're going to see more of them and what they've been doing out in the greater Warcraft universe all these years. Um, 
We're finally going to learn the the truth about the Dreadlords, why they were sitting, why they were orbiting a planet, watching it be consumed by the void. Uh, and, you know, that's that's a big part of what we're going to be experiencing. And what's in what what is his name? The one that was being tortured in Antorus. Why can I not remember his name now? Because he was Verimothras. Verimothras. Uh, and what he was saying in particular about Sylvanas, uh, if that has any bearing, because I think that's going to come up as well in this 9.1. Well, yeah, the very fact that Sylvanas ended up working for the Jailer when she had a Dreadlord by her side all these years, and that Dreadlord was working for, you know, Sardanathrius, who was himself working for the Jailer. Yeah, there's definitely a lot going on here, but I think that that's going to be what we see in Corthia, what we, we find out about it, what kind of world it is. I think we're going to, one of the things I think we're going to find out is the Shadowlands is not just a death realm. That that aspect of it is it, it devours entire worlds. That worlds can go into the Shadowlands and be part of it. That were not always so. Um, I'm definitely getting heavy. Like You brought up War, Warhammer and I, I was like, no, God, not more Warhammer because, you know, I've never actually been big on the Warhammer. I've never uh, the, the the lore of Warhammer has always struck me as weird, and I've never been particularly interested. Well, because it is weird. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm about to do the exact same thing with Ravenloft. Yeah, there you because go. Because the, the whole thing with the, the demiplane of dread was that you know pieces of other worlds could end up there, and I feel like with the Shadowlands, what we're seeing in Corthia with like the Maw literally reaching out and like grabbing Corthia with chains and pulling it in, is that might be how the Shadowlands first came to be before all this started is like they tore off pieces of other realms, other existences, places that died and went there. Like it might be a graveyard of worlds as much as it is a graveyard of souls. And I, as far as if we're going to see like the light or the void, we've already seen that stuff in this expansion already. The, the, the light did attack you know, Revendreth. There's a huge burned out chunk of Revendreth where like the, the Naru showed up. Yeah, we and even just everybody. Yeah, and we even get that when we when you free the Naru and you go back, like and again, mild spoilers if you haven't defeated uh Denathrius yet. But when you defeat Denathrius and you put his sword or his whatever he is, his essence into Ramonia and you take Ramornia, you take it to that blasted light filled land to the Naru you freed for re-education um they they assaulted the light has assaulted and it's possible that it could happen again but and you also see the void attacking in um bastion bastion like you straight up see a, a void attack from like eons ago the void have attacked before these realms are all in conflict in in a metaphysical sense but also in a literal armies invading sense it's not just death. They all they seem to all come along. Have demons invaded? The demons may have invaded before the Legion ever existed. The Legion may in fact partially exist because the forces of death wanted the demons to be more easily predictable. Mm -hmm. Because by themselves, demons are chaotic and you can't predict what they're going to do. But if somebody like Sargeras comes along, you can use him to, by brute force cause the demons to behave predictably. Well, yeah, well you, and you talked about this a while ago too, right? Like when we talk about like Titans in general, they're a known quantity. Once they're, you can predict them because they're, they're beings of order. So like putting they're Sargeras in powerful. It's dangerous to tamper with them because they are enormously powerful. Oh yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, they are extremely predictable. They behave according to specific laws, and they do. They you know what they want. Their motivation is to create order. The, they are very much the walled garden types. They want to create a garden. They want to make everything orderly and predictable and safe and understandable. Like themselves, they're like big chunks of order just floating around. I think that you know the description of them is as like arcane entity, like beings of pure arcane power. I do think they come from some kind of arcane plane, and I think that they're very much the concept of magic as order. I think that's what they are. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's pretty accurate. And it's it's a there's a real there. It's dangerous to trifle with them because they are so powerful. But I mean, Sargeras could he could by himself he whipped the entire legion into shape. Like they had to do what he wanted, or he'd kill them. 
or worse. And he figured he'd figured out a way to kill them. So there's that. Um, but at the same time, we've seen that Sargeras himself, you know, by just using the Legion as a cudgel, could defeat the other Titans because they were so uniquely vulnerable to fell. There's sort of thing. There's like a lot going on here, but I, I definitely think we are seeing it already. We don't need to see it in future patches. We're seeing it in these patches. Well, like 9.0, 9.1, we're absolutely seeing more that we're going to see down the road. This oh, is yeah. not by any stretch of the imagination the last time you're going to see the Dreadlords. No, and, and and I think that's one of the interesting things about, in particular, Shadowlands as opposed to some of the other expansions we've recently had, where a lot of the other ones we talk about, these, these breadcrumbs that we can go back to from years prior... Uh, that finally get like when we were talking about Legion and Battle for Azeroth, some of the the loose ends that were being tied up there, but also being created. Some of those are longer term things, and there is a certain element of that here. But Matt makes a really good point where the breadcrumbs are sort of not hidden; they're there. The path is laid out before us to a certain extent. There's always going to be branching paths or, or little things that deviate from it, sure. But like Corinthia or Corinthia, uh, when you're going there, that's the next logical piece. Uh, the next evolution of whatever the jailer is planning, the, the things with the dreadlords. Yes, some of these are old threads, but it's being laid out for us very, very clearly uh, what the next steps are for what we're going to do. Uh, the, the question is going to be the ending. Like, do we just jumpstart the machine? Uh, as far as like putting the, the the realm of death back into whatever order it was before it was uh, the uh, why can't I think of her name now the arbiter uh, before the arbiter was shut down or do we put it back to what it was before that do we figure out more of it a lot of it is just sort of discovering the truth of the Shadowlands and that's sort of like the main path we're on we don't know a whole lot about the eternal ones the pantheon of death we're figuring that out as we go along that's a next logical thing we're going to learn more about why kyrestria had a rune if that rune was specifically to keeping the jailer there or if it was something else because one of the things they show us in very in this is not a spoiler because it's in the patch trailer he uses the blade with the rune in it to cast out chains and pull the new realm into the mall, or at least reach out to it. And then if you look at those chains, like there's things you can do in the PTR right now to sort of like zoom out. Chains go past it as well. There are chains all over the place. There's more things that he could be reaching out to. But why was that rune in Kyrestria's hands? What about the other ones? What about the Primus, who we're, we know we're going to interact with, but did he have one of those runes? Did he rip it out of himself and leave it somewhere? Is that the rune blade that you uh, pull out of Maldraxxus? Who knows? But we're, we're, I think this expansion is doing a very good job of sort of setting the expectation and showing you the path without being too cryptic about it, but still leaving it enough room to revisit older concepts that could potentially tie into this. Like we talk about you know, what happens when a Titan dies because it's not supposed to technically happen, even though it did happen. There's something that might occur with that later on down the line. We might find out more information about that because now we know how we're learning how death works. Uh, but I think it's actually really fascinating how upfront this expansion is with sort of its information dumps. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's still veiled, but when we find, we figure something out, when we find something, it's there, it's ours. It's not you know, this riddle wrapped in an enigma type thing where we have to keep unraveling it. Uh, it's just there, which is re refreshing a little bit, I think, as far as, like, Warcraft storytelling goes. But, yeah, as far as, like, possibilities of other things that would, would come into the, the picture, I think we might find out more. It, it, there might be something more about just realms in general. Because that's one of the things that they've touched upon in this expansion, but we haven't really explored fully. We know that, and we'll go back to the brokers, right? Not that they're related to anything, but the brokers very clearly have the ability not just to travel between different realms of the Shadowlands, not using the portals that Ouroboros has, which is interesting in and of itself. And we are definitely going to find out more about that when we go and 
uh, to the the marketplace that the brokers essentially call some form of home or gigantic mall. I'm not sure what. But they can definitely go back to the material plane in some capacity. They can they can they're not restricted to the Shadowlands. And that's fascinating, too, because why haven't we seen them beforehand? And I think there's going to be more with that that gets revealed probably during that mega dungeon with how they've been going undetected because we've seen ethereals all over the place over the years. We've found them in Karazhan. We've dealt with them in the real world. We've dealt with them in Outland. Um, we've never seen a broker that we know of. Why? How? Like, I think that's going to be something that we're going to figure out or, or be presented with. And that's a, I think that's the only other really loose breadcrumb I can think of right now. What about you? Anything else that you think might might be something that is presented to us or or given to us that might lead us down a, uh, another path? I mean, I just spent ten minutes doing that before you did yours. I mean, that's just said a bunch of breadcrumbs. I think are gonna <laughs> well, that's why I said if there's anything else, um, or or let's rephrase I mean, it. Is no, there anything no, 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 you stop, want stop, to see? Stop. I, no, stop. Um, let me put it this way. I think the everything you see is going to come back again at some point. Okay. And not just stuff we're seeing in Shadowlands, stuff we saw in, in Battle for Azeroth. Because Ashara is still out there. Yes. We freed Ashara at the end of that of of the uh, Nihilatha raid, and then she just bamfed out. And while we're running around the Shadowlands, she's in Azeroth doing whatever she's doing. The Naga now serve only her, Nazoth has seemingly been destroyed or dealt with. So she's a completely free agent with her own agenda. And we have no idea what it is. Like, you know, not now that she's not trying to do what Nazoth wants her to do while not actually doing it, she could do anything. And that's just one example. That's just that there's, there's always new stuff in every expansion that doesn't get dealt with. Mm-hmm. The, the Zandalari joining the Horde that's been dealt with in books and so forth, but it's still, it's a big deal. It's a change to the way that the Horde works. The Horde right now is in complete flux, and we need that at some point that needs to get dealt with. And we're seeing little bits and pieces of it in Shadowlands, but we're not going to see anything until we get back. So mm. everyone wants to talk about Anduin and what's going on with him, and that's a big deal, obviously. But think about the fact that, that like Thrall and Bane got kidnapped and taken to another world. And in that world, Thrall has kind of started to learn how to talk to the elements again. And Bane has just been through, you know, not saying Anduin's been through anything fun, but Bane's been through hell. They, they literally infused his soul with like some writhing abomination of the dead. And he had to have it pulled out when he gets back. Is he going to be the same person? And they even talk or, about that in Oribos when you like you see them like they're constantly checking on him whenever you go to Oribos. Yeah, that's going to be a thing, guys. Um, Bane in the future is not going to be the same guy he was. And I mean, it's because Anduin's going through the flashier thing and you know being used literally as a living weapon. It's easy to forget that you know none of these people is going to come out of this the same, except maybe Jaina. Jaina is the one who's resisted it the best. Uh, I think, but I think because Jaina at this point she's just seen everything. I think to 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 shock Jaina Proudmore, you'd have to have a bunch of like you know unicorns show up with a basket of cookies and be all let's be friends. That'd yeah. be the only she, <laughs> you know she'd be like what? Wait, what? you're not trying what to kill me? <laughs> what trickery is this? Uh, it's a it's a sugar cookie, ma'am. Um, thank you for the cookie and I'll eat at a later time after I've had people analyze it for poisons because you could be the bomb no I'm just an unicorn okay very well you win for now unicorn just yeah there's there's a lot going on in this expansion and I think it's going to even stuff that you don't even really think about is going to show up again later like for instance all the people that got you know we haven't even really dealt with Taronda yet. And we're not really dealing with Taronda in 9.1 yet that I know of. Yeah, nothing yet. Show. So that has to come back at some point. Although, I mean, there's a good chance that when we do the, the next raid, that Taronda will play a part in that in some capacity. Because, yeah. I mean, that's sort of her her whole goal, right? 
Yeah, if they made the Sylvanas fight and kind of forgot that Toronto was supposed to be involved in it, I think people would be very upset. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's going to do it, unless there's anything else you want to add for today. No. I think we're good. All right. Well, fantastic. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast lighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Again, I do want to thank you for sending your questions in. Uh, shout out to, to Matt Demon. Didn't get to your slew of questions, but they're going to keep them on the docket for our future episode. But if you be up front, dude, we could just do a whole show just on the one email you sent, which is entirely possible of what we might do. Uh, but I do want to thank everybody. And if you do have questions, again, be sure to send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, you can also send them in on Discord. We have one set aside for Patreon supporters as well as one for non Patreon supporters. Uh, just give us your questions and make sure you specify what podcast it's for. Otherwise, Matt and I have to thumb wrestle and it gets really awkward awkward over long distance yeah, uh, i've grown an extra thumb that i've just mailed it at him it's going to get there sooner or later he doesn't know when it'll just oh. be a thumb right out of a box be like, <laughs> i'm a thumb <laughs> and that is a breadcrumb like- <laughs> that is a breadcrumb i look forward to unraveling in the future <laughs> but thank you very much folks we'll see you next week we're all thumbs blah blah blah